attending a meeting and having that support. The people that are there attending, they become your friends in a different way. They want the best for you too. They're all caregivers. They all care about each other. And sometimes their experience is what's going to be the turning for you. And sometimes hearing what others are going through is positive because A, I'm not alone. B, not so bad for me. I don't think there's one person that leaves the meeting without feeling less weight on their shoulders and a smile on their face. You're listening to Caregivers Out Loud, powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and hosted by Jody McDonald. How are you feeling today? As a caregiver, you probably didn't plan for this role in your life. And with that comes a shift in perspective and expectations. Over this first season of Caregivers Out Loud, we'll focus on caregiver well-being, how getting the support you need is vital, why good communication with family members and medical professionals can be difficult but rewarding, and we'll share some essential tips on how to look after yourself. You'll hear stories from caregivers who have spent a great deal of time and energy living these experiences. These inspiring people will bring balance to caregiving along with the other aspects of your life. Today, we take a look at how few of us can go it alone as caregivers. Having relationships with friends or organizations like Family Caregivers of BC can boost your emotional strength for the marathon of caregiving. We'll examine different sources of support available to caregivers, how to overcome challenges that prevent you from reaching out for support, and what is it really like to acknowledge your role as a caregiver. You'll hear from caregivers who struggled with overwhelm before reaching out to access different kinds of support and the difference it made to their lives. So what is a caregiver? One of the things that might make it harder for caregivers to self-identify is the natural tendency towards giving and fixing. One of the difficulties in offering caregiver support is that you don't recognize yourself as a caregiver in the formal sense. We don't think of ourselves as caregivers until something happens. Maybe you're more open to listening and accepting that you are human and what you are doing is not, I'm going to use the word normal, normal for a caregiver because we don't think about it, but for the general uh, lay person, it's not normal. And the more you open yourself up to communication with support groups, to support networks, the more you think, yeah, you know, I guess you are right. I am a caregiver. That's Marlene. I connected with her over the phone to chat about what it meant to be supported during her caregiving journey. My name is Marlene Schlotterbeck. Over the last 17 years, I've been a caregiver to my mother, my mother-in-law, very dear friend. And for the last five or six years, I've been a caregiver to a wonderful gentleman and his sister. He is now 99 and she is 92. As you can hear, Marlene is a caregiver, but in the beginning, she didn't even realize it. A recent Ontario report found that only 42% of caregivers self-identified as a caregiver. 35% didn't understand they were caregivers until the role was explained to them. And 24%, even after the role was defined, still didn't see themselves as caregivers. 
the work of caregiving and not just the physical tasks, but the, the emotional labor of caregiving, the holding all the pieces together in your mind on a daily basis, it does go beyond being a daughter or a daughter-in-law or a friend. It's really difficult to accept that you are a caregiver because that's not who you think of yourself. You think of yourself as the daughter, the daughter-in-law, the friend someone that wants to be there to help them to do what you can. All of these people that I've been so blessed to care for, to be part of their journey, are beautiful people. They gave all their lives to, to others, and it's their turn. I know the gentleman, Vern, that I now care for at 99, he has looked after every one of his siblings over the course of his lifetime at some point or other. His sister and I were very, very good friends, and we never thought about him as needing assistance. We talked about their mentally challenged sister and that, you know, when something happened to Helen, I would be there for Eileen. At no point did we ever think of Vern because he was always the head of the family. He was always the grounding point for everyone. And for him to look at me and say, I'm so lucky to have you in my life, it just warms your heart and you think, no. The family was lucky to have you in their life, and now it's your turn. And I am so honored to be that person to make every day of your life more enjoyable. Oh, that's so lovely. So what else about caregiving do you think is rewarding or beneficial for the caregiver? You can't put words to seeing the joy that you bring to someone else, knowing that I honestly don't think Vern would be alive today if it wasn't for me. And that's not patting myself on the back. That's just being able to be there for him, to advocate for him. And I think that is the biggest role that a caregiver isn't prepared for and is so absolutely necessary. The medical system in Canada is far above and beyond many other countries and we're so blessed to have it. However, it has its faults as well overwork, understaffed. These people in our care, these people that we love and cherish, are not able to speak for themselves in many situations. In Vern's case, he is an absolute gentleman. And if a doctor were to tell him to jump, it would be how high in which way, because doctors are professionals that you always admire and listen to. Unfortunately, they still are excellent professionals, but they don't have the time that they once had to know their patients. So we we have to sometimes question them and we have to be the one to give them the information on this person that can no longer speak for themselves. And what I hear you saying, Marlene, is how much you value Vern as a person. And that part of the role of caregiving is for you to sort of be a bridge and an advocate for medical professionals to also see his value as a person. That is so well said. And I think for all caregivers, it's really important to know you're speaking on their behalf, not necessarily for them. I always take the time to speak with Vern to let him know what is going on. And what do you think would be the right way to handle this? What would make you happy? Get his feedback because it's about him. And in the end, he's the one that's being affected. 
I will take what he says and either adapt it or maybe add to it to what I feel is overall beneficial to him. But at no point do I ever forget it's about him and he has a say in his life and he needs to be made aware of what's happening and kept up to date on things. So often we get so wrapped up into the role of taking care of this individual that we forget to bring them in on the conversations or keep them up to date on what's happening. Being an advocate for the person you're caring for can be rewarding. You bring knowledge to the care team that they might not otherwise have. But like the over 1 million caregivers in BC, many are not currently accessing any kind of caregiver support, whether it's education, such as learning a different understanding of communication skills, or even that of emotional support. It wasn't until the pressure of caregiving brought Marlene to her lowest point that she was given a nudge to recognize her role as a caregiver and accept support. During was in independent living and one of the management could see that I was failing emotionally, physically. I was yeah, on the verge of emotional breakdown. And she stopped me and she said, Hey, Marlene, I have something that I think would be of interest to you. She handed me a caregiver connection, one of your newsletters. She said, I think you'd be very interested in this. They have a support group and I think it would benefit you of going. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, okay. I'll look into it as I walk away. And in my mind, it's like, how on earth am I going to add something else to my life? There's no way I can do that. I don't have the time. And I'm like, okay, well, that was really sweet of her. I appreciate it. But, you know, we'll put that on the back burner. Well, as I said, I also care for Vernon's sister who had been in care for 20-some years at the same facility. Everything was smooth. Now, Eileen had to move into full care, which was a huge change. And and I'm like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to cope with this? How am I going to be here every day for Vern and be there for Eileen? So Vern and I discussed it. So I am going to attend family council meetings because I can't be there every day for Eileen, but I can be there and learn what's going on. So I did that, and I could see, hey, these are all caregivers. These are people going through the same thing that I'm going through. These are people that need to know about family caregivers of BC. So I brought it up at a meeting. Well, how can you talk about something if you don't have the foundation? So I said, oh, there's a meeting coming up, and I'm going to attend the meeting, so I'll come back and and share what I've learned with everyone. (laughs) And that's why I attended the meeting, not for myself, but to share information with others. And I attended that meeting, and that was when the light went off that, oh, my goodness, you are wound up like a top. And that's when I just spun out of control and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I went back and reported it to the group. But more importantly, I acknowledged I need help. It's also very difficult for a caregiver to take that first step thinking that it's for themselves because I don't need any help. But if we can share with them that, The more you learn, the more information you have, the better you're going to be as a caregiver. That's a lovely story of of going from not having any support to it's a, a funny idea that, of course, you were learning about it in order to help others, but then understood, oh, actually, this is for me. This is this has a value for me. And what is the difference when 
as a caregiver, you get support for yourself. What changes? First thing that comes to mind, a weight off your shoulders. You're not alone. There's help. You don't have to deal with this on your own. There's a phone number you can just call. It could be two in the morning that you wake up and you think, oh my goodness, how do I handle this? Well, you can log on to your computer and find the answer. It's hard to put into words how something or one organization can offer so many different things and be so invaluable. I can't put it into words. It was like hitting my head against a brick wall. Oh my goodness. There is help out there. Marlene mentioned that you don't have to do this on your own, that there's a phone number. Make that connection and get the support you need, just like Marlene, by calling the Family Caregivers of BC toll-free in BC at one 877 520-3267. Support networks offer a chance for your feelings to be seen, heard, and validated. You can talk more easily with other caregivers about things you may struggle to share with healthcare providers or the person you're caring for. Going it alone without a support network can leave you feeling overwhelmed. Ben has heard firsthand many stories of overwhelm shared by caregivers who struggled alone before finding support from a group. My name is Ben Ziegler, and I am a support group facilitator with Family Caregivers of BC. Mostly I facilitate uh, men's support groups. So that's a, a support group of men only who are also family caregivers. Years ago, I was a part-time caregiver for both of my parents and they didn't live together. So there was different aspects that I became familiar with. They've both since passed away. When I reflect back on it, I think of all the challenges I had and how hard it is to deal with the system. And I had no support. Well, I had sibling support and I had some, uh, you know, friends or whatever, but it was, there was no formal organization supporting me. And so five or six years ago, I heard about a volunteering opportunity with the Family Caregivers of BC. And I thought, wow, I'm going to give back because I I sure wish there'd been something like that out there. So uh, I haven't looked back. Certainly people who end up in the caregiving role, uh, it often comes all of a, all of a sudden and they, they overwhelm and stress stress hits all of a sudden and inevitably they're in react mode until they get a handle on things or try try get some stability back in their lives so you mentioned earlier the word overwhelm do you find that that's a common experience that caregivers have maybe overwhelm i'm not sure if that's the best word necessarily but most people who come into caregiving caregiving role, it's not something they were trained for. It's sort of something that's just come their way or they felt compelled to become a caregiver. It's something new. Whenever we change, there's a situation that's changing. And I think that's maybe where the overwhelm is, but I think it's, it's our natural reaction as people to get a little flustered when something new is put on our plate. For caregivers, that's often the case. It's new. They don't know what's involved. There's all this uncertainty out there. And when we feel a loss of control, that's, that's really the definition of stress is feeling a personal loss of control. So how can organizations like Family Caregivers of BC or other organizations across the province, how can they address the, the feelings that caregivers have towards that change through caregiver support services? 
What does that do for caregivers? My experience is primarily in the uh, support group context. It normalizes. It normalizes what it is to be a caregiver. That includes all the challenges that caregivers face. So it's okay to feel, we use that word overwhelmed, but to feel stressed out and not sure of what to do. That, that is totally normal. Family caregivers helps with that because I think when people feel comfortable or they feel more inclined that, hey, others are going through the same thing, then that's a little bit of a reference point for where do we go from here? Like, it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Now, maybe we can talk then individually or one-on-one or in a group. Where do we go from here? How do we move forward? Sometimes you see someone or you know someone who you think might benefit from being in a support group. And what are those benefits, would you say? More connection, less stress? How do the groups benefit caregivers? Yes and yes. (laughs) More connections. Certainly making connections is good. And and that could be personally within the group. In the groups I've been involved with, sometimes the people in the group becomes friends outside of the group. Or they get the going through the right channel to get the name of the other person and then they they do something with them, right? So that's a connection that's outside of the group. Those kinds of things like venting, getting information, hearing peer advice about some situation. We feel stressed out, overwhelmed, (laughs) backed overwhelmed when we don't have control over things. When you are able to sort of vent, then you are in some ways emotionally purging some things that it's sort of blowing off steam. Literally, I think you're, you're venting. That lowers your those attributes which you probably don't feel good about. Right. <laughs> you know, like being uh, snarking off at somebody just because you're so wound up and, and concerned, right? Right. So you can leave some of that in the group. And when you leave, you've left it behind. Exactly. You feel lighter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And same with getting information. So if you were wondering about where can I put my wife or my husband or my, my mother, what are my housing options here? She can't live at home with me anymore. So often there'll be somebody in the group who has, a, has had experience with that and had to make that same decision or investigate that, and they can give help with a bit of the roadmap. Right. So we're not always reinventing the wheel. Exactly. Because that's more information, right? Then we feel, we feel empowered and we don't feel quite as stressed out knowing that there is these options or this is the path we have, I have to go to, uh, you know, to do good. Yeah. Connect with others. Think of it as, a, in a way, as if you're part of a neighborhood. Get to know your neighbor. Maybe your neighbors are other caregivers or people who are in the business of working with caregivers, supporting caregivers. So get to know your neighbors and the street won't be so threatening a place. Marlene echoes this feeling. After attending a couple of support meetings with family caregivers of BC, Marlene has felt the benefit of a confidential space to share her feelings with other caregivers. Attending a meeting and having that support, the meetings are held monthly, so, you know, it's been a month since you've been there, and if you've had a bad month, which has happened to some people, or you've had a bad situation, just to know that it's a safe place all of these meetings are confidential. So what is said happens in the room, stays in the room. And so that's a comfort. You know that you can say whatever you want and you're not going to be judged. The people that are there attending, they become your friends in a different way. They want the best of you too. They're all caregivers. They all care about each other. 
And sometimes their experience is what's going to be the turning for you. You're out of your normal situation and you've made it to the meeting. So you need to pat yourself on the back because you've done something for yourself. And sometimes hearing what others are going through is positive because A, I'm not alone, B, not so bad for me, and learning that is so beneficial. At the meetings I attend, I don't think there's one person that leaves the meeting without feeling less weight on their shoulders and a smile on their face. Although meetings can create a wonderful space for connectedness and sharing stories, what about your personal network of family and friends? How can they provide value and support for you to continue to be a caregiver? Marlene offers her advice about asking for and how to receive help. How can I support you? That's really important as a caregiver to be able to ask for help. And so often someone will say, well, is there anything I can do for you? Do they mean it or not? It doesn't matter. They've asked the question. It's up to you to say yes or no. So I think it's really important to have a little notepad and make little notes of things that people could do for you. Because if somebody says, is there anything I can do for you? If you keep saying no, thank you, but they're not going to ask anymore. So I think it's important to think, you know, these people have asked. I should accept it. And I should take it seriously. What if they actually mean it? (laughs) Because I think a lot of the time they do, but they don't necessarily know how to be more specific. Exactly. They don't know what your needs are, what your wants are. But if you have that little notepad handy and as things occur to you, you just write something down, you can say, oh, you know, thank you for asking. You know, I'm, I'm all out of whatever and I could really use that. Next time you're at the store, would you mind picking that up for me? And then you've opened up another layer of friendship and support for yourself. And now this person feels, oh, I can genuinely help. And next time I go to the store, maybe I'll call them and ask them. You've opened up a whole new avenue of communication. Yes. And what you're speaking to there, Marlene, is the fact that it's actually maybe the caregiver's responsibility to know what they want and need and what would actually be supportive. Absolutely. And you can't do that if you're not paying at least a little attention to yourself. Exactly. Know the importance of yourself. Know that the healthier you are mentally and physically, the better you will be able to care for someone else. Taking baby steps at the beginning will go a long way because, again, you don't know if you're going to be a caregiver for weeks or years. And taking immediate care of yourself so that you never get into that totally exhausted state because once you're in that exhausted state it's nearly impossible to get out of it. Accepting help from others is so important and finding a support group. Just because the first support group you go to if it doesn't give you what you need that's just one. There's one that's out there for you and it's really important to take advantage of it and learn. Take the time to read about self-care, about communication. You have to prepare yourself for what the unknown is. And don't be afraid to ask for help. It's human. It takes caregivers to participate in community, and it also takes people to offer that community to the caregivers. If everyone's doing their piece, then caregivers can feel held by community. 
Marlene and Ben have experienced firsthand both the overwhelm of going it alone as a caregiver and the huge difference it can make when you open up to receive support from your community. As Marlene said at the beginning of the episode, the more you open yourself up to communication with support groups and support networks, the more you think, yes, I guess you're right, I am a caregiver. If you recognize some of the stories shared here today and feel that you or someone you know could benefit from caregiver support, pick up the phone and call toll-free in BC at 1-877-520-3267. You can find out more about the kinds of support available on the Family Caregivers of BC website at familycaregiversbc.ca. Thank you for listening to Caregivers Out Loud. Powered by Family Caregivers of British Columbia and produced in partnership with the BC Ministry of Health Patients as Partners Initiative. Hosted by Jody McDonald. Produced and sound edited by Organized Sound Productions. If you like what you're hearing, discover more episodes and find more caregiving resources at familycaregiversbc.ca. And if you find these episodes helpful, please share them with your family and friends who may find it enlightening to hear these stories. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening and taking the time to learn and care for yourself with other caregivers out loud. Next time on Caregivers Out Loud. The foundational piece of that is being able to establish a relationship with at least one healthcare provider who's able to see the evolution of stress and burnout in the caregiver. Honestly, that's nine times out of 10, that's most likely to happen at the primary care level because that's where most of the contact is. If the patient is involved with several specialists, that care coordination, the continuity still in most cases is with the family doctor or nurse practitioner. And so the more you can be part of the encounter, so that relationship is established, the less likely things are to go off the rails for either the patient or the caregiver.